and I forgot to bring tissues. <laughs> uh, friends, after um, service this morning, um, I feel like uh, doing exactly what was sung, um, all rise and let's have the benediction. Um, I have been blessed tremendously already, and um, I, I just thank uh, Downers Grove for the invitation, Elvis, uh, your, your leadership. Um, I love Downers Grove. I know you don't see me too often, um, but this is one of my, my home churches. Uh, when we first moved here back in 2001, uh, we, we came here. So I've been around for quite some time, and uh, I know many here as family. Good to see you. Um, this morning, uh, the title of my sermon is, Is It True? Is it true? Uh, is what we hear um, about this, this Messiah, what we hear this season, is it true? And I, and I know um, oftentimes we, we go around and we have uh, different people tell us information and we have to uh, decide whether we can believe it or not. Um, I don't know how many of you remember the show, Ripley's? Ripley's Believe It or Not. Some amazing things, and of course, Doug Batchelor with his amazing facts. Um, but, but is it true, uh, this season, we have to hear good news, uh, good news that a, that a child has been found. That's, that's good news. Uh, we love to hear good news. We, uh, we, we hear that the, the assailant or the, the criminal has been found. Um, we love to hear good news. And then there's great news, great news. I've been barren for the past, I don't know, 12 years, but, but now I am with child. That's great news. Uh, great news. I, I had cancer, and, and now it's gone. I, that's great news, amen? Um, great news. I, I, I had my asylum papers um, going through the system, and now I've been given asylum. Praise God. Great news. Great news. And, and so angels came, and, and angels apparently had great news uh, for some shepherds. Um, and then these shepherds had to go and tell people about this great news. Great news. The Savior is born. But this comes, from, this comes from shepherds. Shepherds. I don't know. What education have they had? Did they go to the seminary in Barren Springs? I don't know if I can believe them. Is this true? Is this true? I went back and I tried to do some investigation because... I know I've had lots of conversations with people who've said, you know, um, maybe you, you Christians, you, you guys often just go by, by faith. You, you don't have any evidence, you know, just, just by faith. And, and you feel that you need to be. And I say, I agree. We should not just only have faith, but there is evidence to support what we believe. Amen? There is evidence. And so I went back and I did some, some digging up and I did find that there were some some individuals who actually had information to share with us. Um, I especially enjoy reading the book by Lee Strobel, The Case for Christ. You've heard of it. Lee Strobel was a, a Chicago reporter, and um, he did his own investigation because his wife came home and said, Hey, honey, I'm going to follow Jesus. And he was on a rampage to find reasons why she should not. And, and then as he pursued this investigation, he himself became a strong follower of Jesus. But least trouble is present day. Can I suggest to you some people from yesteryear? 
I, I will. How many of you have ever heard of the name uh, Testus? There are some. Reporting on Emperor Nero's decision to blame the Christians for the fire that had destroyed Rome in AD 64, the Roman historian Tacitus wrote, Nero fastened the guilt on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Christos, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of Pontius Pilatus, and a most mischievous superstition, thus checked for the moment, again broke out, not only in Judea, the first source of evil, but even in Rome. Tacitus is telling us that there was this man named Christos, who people followed. And it seems as if this man, Christos, um, suffered the worst, the worst punishment there is. What do you think the worst punishment is by the Romans? Crucifixion. Tacitus. Pliny, another one, was the Roman governor of Bithynia in Asia Minor. In one of his letters, dated around AD 112, he asked Trajan's advice about the appropriate way to conduct legal proceedings against those accused of being Christians. Pliny says that he needed to consult the emperor about this because there seems to be a great multitude of every age, of every sect, of every class. And so he asked, what should I do? But this is what he said. They were in the habit of meeting on certain fixed days before it was light. When they sang in alternate verses a hymn to Christ as to a God and bound themselves by a solemn oath not to any wicked deeds, but never to commit any fraud or theft or adultery, never to falsify their word or deny a trust when they should be called upon to deliver it up after which it was their custom to separate and then re reassemble to partake of food, but food of an ordinary and innocent kind. But perhaps the most well-known of these historical figures, uh, these historians, a um, man by the name of jo Josephus. Some of you have heard of that name, Josephus. First century Jewish historian, on two occasions uh, he wrote in the Antiquities, he mentions Jesus. The second one is not as important as, as the main one. He says, About this time there lived Jesus. He called him by name. There lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him man. For he wrought surprising feats. He was a Christ. When Pilate condemned him to be crucified, those who had come to love him did not give up their affection for him. On the third day he appeared, restored to life, and the tribe of Christians has not disappeared. That's what Josephus said many, many years ago. These were extra-biblical resources that verify the, the truth of Christ's coming. Is it true that he came? Is it true that he ascended? Is it true that he will return? Pray with me. Lord God, for a few moments, I ask that the Holy Spirit overwhelm us today. That my words, that our hearts, that our thoughts be lifted on high. And that as we depart, we shall be changed 
for we shall be drawn closer to you in every way. In thy name we pray. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 1. We go to the book of Luke because uh, if you have done any studies, you will discover that Luke, um, the, the book of Luke is a very unique book. Uh, it is the longest of the Gospels. Chapter 1 is the longest chapter, 80 verses. It seemed as if Luke had a lot to say. And he did have a lot to say because he did a lot of investigation. Luke, for many of you are aware, is a doctor. And as such, they need to make sure they give the right diagnosis. But there are some other things about Luke, the book that is, that is very unique. You see, in Matthew's gospel, it's the kingly gospel. It's specific to the Jews. The Messiah, the king, is here. In the book of John, we have that gospel being one of, of a divine purpose. Who is this Christ, the Logos? But Luke, being a physician, comes across more compassionately. This is Jesus. He's not just Savior of the Jews. He's Savior of the world. This is Jesus, the compassionate Jesus, who wants to, to be there with you. This is Jesus. He loves taking care of the poor. And that story, Sam, really touched my heart. Thank you very much for that children's story. This is Jesus. So let's begin in, in, in Luke chapter 1, beginning at, at, at verse 2 as we started. Even as they delivered them unto us, this is the news, uh, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. It's interesting. I don't know if some of you know the, the Greek uh, language that much, but... Um, Eyewitnesses in, in the Greek is autopace, autoptase, excuse me, autoptase. Um, maybe that doesn't mean anything to you, okay? But when you break it down, it, it becomes interesting. And I love etymology. It becomes interesting. Autoptase. First part, auto, okay? And the other part comes from the, the derivative um, uh, optomai. Hmm, optimize. What does that sound like to you? Ophthalmologist, optometry, the eyes. Yes. And so these eyewitnesses used their eyes because they were actually there. They could see what Jesus did. But then when you put these two words together, it's, it's so much more and more interesting. Autopice, 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 autopice. Autopsy. Autopsy. That's where we get the word, autopsy. When a person does an autopsy, again, Luke is a? Yes, he's a physician. He's a when a person does an autopsy, why do they do the autopsy? It, it, yes. We need to do a thorough investigation to identify the cause. This person that you guys are talking about, I don't want to have hearsay about anything. I need to go and find out for myself. I need to understand what you saw, how you felt. I need to do a thorough investigation. You call yourself an eyewitness, I will investigate. I will do an autopsy. And so that's how the book of Luke begins. But it also begins by identifying this man, what's his name? Theophilus. Theophilus. 
And, and, and we don't know too much about this man, Theophilus, you understand. Not too much um, is written about him. Um, but based on uh, Luke's identification of him, he doesn't call him just Theophilus. He calls him excellent Theophilus. Now, why would he do that? It, could it be possibly that Luke has done so much investigation about Jesus and understands that Jesus is a man of, of compassion, that he wants to raise everybody up? You who believe that you are a nobody, no, 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 no. I'm here to tell you, you are somebody. So could it be that Theophilus may have been somebody that many have passed on, and now Luke is saying, you are excellent, Theophilus. Or could it be that Theophilus is actually someone in a high rank? You do understand physicians have the um, ability to move through different circles. And so everybody needs a physician, including the wealthy and the rich. So maybe Theophilus could have been uh, someone like that who, on hearing words or stories about Jesus, thought to himself, could it be true? Could it be true? And so in verse 4 of Luke chapter 1, we read these words, that thou mightest know the what? The certainty of those things wherein you have been instructed. He begins his book that way, and and I wonder to myself if, if we are certain of what we have experienced. A church for us is, is a relationship with Christ enough for us to be certain of the things that we have read, of the things that we have heard. A relationship with Christ. Yesterday, my, my son asked me a, a very interesting question. Dad, can a person who knows of Jesus Christ not make it to heaven? Huh. How do I answer that? Is it an easy no? They know Jesus Christ. Of course they'll be in heaven. Or is it an easy yes? It's not enough just to know. That knowledge has to move on to something of action, of a decision deep down in their hearts. And so we go back then, we go back to verse 2. Even as they delivered them unto us, that is the information, they were eyewitnesses, beginning as were eyewitnesses, and ministers to the word. Ministers, servants, another version would say. And I don't know, but church, I, I think to myself as, as Luke has done this autopsy about the message do we desire to do an autopsy on our hearts? Here's where I'm going. I would much prefer you challenge yourself to pray what Psalm 139 verse 23 says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me. What use is it, church, if you are walking carcass? We are contaminated with sin. There are things that we are involved in that the Lord says, get rid of. But if we don't ask him to come in and, and, and really do his autopsy from the great physician, amen, 
so that he can eradicate these things from our lives. We are nothing but a walking carcass. But rather, seek the Lord when he may be found, which is now, and ask yourself, Lord, is there something that I need to get rid of? I want to be a true eyewitness. So that when the Spirit searches me on Judgment Day, they can see Jesus, and only Jesus. An autopsy. You know, when God finally gets rid of the junk in our lives, and I believe some of you can attest to this, when you were out there, when you were distant from God, uh, things, things were not right. But then as you got into faith with Him and, and you began to walk, take that journey, uh, there became a joy that you haven't experienced before. And, and if some of you were like me, um, you want to tell somebody. Tell somebody that you met Jesus. Tell someone that, that your life has changed. Tell someone that you have a, a different joy than you had before. Before your joy came from the bottle. Before your joy came from the, from the clubs. Before your joy came from, from other things. But now your joy is simple and sweet. It's spending time with Jesus. And there's nothing better than that. But Satan doesn't want us to share that joy. You understand. Young people, he's going to say, oh, you're too young. Just be quiet. You're, you're too young. You're too young. No. Tell somebody. Let no man despise you because you are young. Share that joy. But Satan will say, oh, you know what? You have a horrible past. You better keep your mouth closed. They know what you did. They recognize you. Look at all those things on your face. Look at your hair. Look at how you... They know your past. Keep your mouth closed. Don't tell anybody you met Jesus. Satan doesn't want us to share the eyewitness account that has happened to us. And he might say, look, young person, um, that college professor and your classmates, they're going to laugh at you if you talk about Jesus. So you keep your mouth closed because you don't want to be laughed at like Noah. Satan will want you to say, hey, um, I, I can't say anything because I need this job. If I open my mouth about Jesus and, and what he's done for me, uh, the, the boss or, or, or some co-worker is going to come down on me. Keep your mouth closed is what Satan wants. But I'm here to tell you, the same way the angel said to the shepherds, go tell it on. Yeah. Over the hills. And where? Everywhere. Go, friends. This was not just a description of what happened in the past. Uh, but an instruction for us as well. In this day and age, people need to know Jesus. That is not hyperbole. I mean it. People need to know Jesus. I, I have students who, who I speak with on, on a frequent basis who would tell me, you know, Pastor Frederick, I, I, I was talking with this, this young guy, this, this kid um, in my neighborhood. He's never heard of Seventh-day Adventists. I'm like, that's fine, but... Has he heard Jesus? Has he heard Jesus? There are people who have never heard the name Jesus. We need to proclaim his name. But I want to get to the core of this sermon. It's found in, in verses 3 and 4. The question today is, is it true? Is his birth true? Is his life true? Are the miracles he did true? Is his death accurate? Is the tomb experience true? Is his resurrection falsified? Is it 
true. You see, I want to preach about the authenticity of Jesus Christ as we celebrate this season. You see, this season, you'll have lots of kids singing Christmas carols. This season, you're going to go to the mall for your wrapping paper, and you might hear those Christmas songs. This season, you might go to the airport, and there'll be a snowstorm, and you'll get stuck there. But, but on the PA system, they might be playing some Christmas songs, right, to, to keep the mood calm. This season, everybody's playing and listening to carols and hymns. But I want to point out three hymns that we have in our hymnal that I, I asked the question, is it true what they said? Is it true? The first thing I wanted to get to was hymn number 121. And that's the one we sang, uh, we referenced, Go Tell It on the Mountains. Now again, it was angels that told the, the shepherds to go and, and talk about it. And I've mentioned before that these, these shepherds were not, they were shepherds. Well, what do you expect from shepherds? Sheep and, and wool. You don't expect them to, to know prophecy. You don't expect them to have a, uh, an oratory gift like, like, um, like Nelson Mandela or, or Martin Luther King Jr. But it says that they were instructed to go tell it on the mountains. Friends, let me be honest with you. In this society, it's hard. I'll be 2018, it is hard. Why? Because there's a lot of things and a lot of people and a lot of agendas that are unbiblical, immoral, and quite frankly, unethical. And so it seems as if the majority of this world, or at least America, we're not, we're not biblically focused. And everyone who is against God is pushing an agenda. And so here we come with, with, with the Lord's word. We have the gospel. We have the truth. Is it true? We have the truth. But it seems as if we're in the minority. Who else is supporting us at, at the public universities? Who else is supporting us at our, at our places of employment? Because, friends, I'll be honest with you. There are too many Christians who are Christians only by name. I pray there is none here. But just Christian by name. Yes, I follow Christ. But in name. And so it's, it's tough to go and share that gospel. The Lord still instructs us to go, amen? Those are his last words in Matthew 28. Go into all the world. And so the disciples went. Uh, turn, please, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 and verse 15 and 16, and it says, And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us, what? Let us now go, my version, now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And then verse 16, and they came with, is that your, your version says haste too? Amen. They came with haste <laughs> and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When the Lord tells you to go, you should go. 
one day I was coming home from school and uh, my kids were with me and uh, I wanted to do this new thing with, our, with my boys. I wanted to say, you know, we are supposed to go, young boys. Let's go. Uh, I know we have to go get dinner, but right now, let's go and knock on a door. It was random. And I said, boys, which door? And they picked the door. And so I pulled the car to the side. I whispered a prayer at that moment. And I said, okay, guys, we're not going to proselytize. We're just going to say, hi, we are. We're in the neighborhood. Nice to meet you. That's it. So we walked up to the door. And of course, the boys are chilling behind their dad. We got to the door. We knocked, knocked. I've done some call portering, so I, I was okay. Ring the doorbell. No answer. Knock, knock again. And I'm waiting. I'm waiting. And no one comes. So we got back into the car. But we did that another time and another time. And people started coming. And, and they welcomed us. And they introduced themselves. My point is this. In this day and age, I believe the Lord is soon to come. And right now, he's asking people to go. And my desire, my plea, my, my, I plead with you to do this. Go in, how did the, in, the, the shepherds go? Go in haste. I know you may not have the right skills. I know you may not have all the information, like Tacitus and Josephus, right? Or plenty. But go. You are with the Lord. And if he is for you, who can be against you? Jesus is soon to come. Go tell it on the mountains. But if you can't get there, tell it to your neighbor. If you can't get there, tell it to your co-worker. Tell it to your classmate. Tell someone that Jesus is soon to come. But they will ask, is it true? So I'd like you to, to share this story with them. There was a man by the name of Noah. And Noah was told to build a structure. And that structure was going to be the ark that would save everyone. And that everyone needed to get into the ark if they wanted to be saved. And so he preached, he evangelized, he preached, he built, he preached, he shared, he lost friends, he lost family members. Methuselah died during that time. But he still did what the Lord asked him to do. There were people as he was building that were asking the question, is it, is it true? Is it true that God is going to destroy this world? Is it true that water will come down from the sky? Is it true that that structure will save all of mankind? Friends, I don't know about you. But I've had the experience of coming back to someone and saying to them, you were right. Besides my wife, others. You were right. I believe on that day when the floods came, there were hundreds and thousands of people who were saying Noah was right. And I don't want any of your friends to have to come and say to the Lord at that time, you know, James was right. Jill was, was true. 
It, it, it was true. Oh me, oh my, I'm lost. So share with them that story. But, but I hasten on to, to the two other songs. Uh, hymn number 122. Hymn number 120. We actually sang it this morning. You know it. I'm not going to sing it. But hark the herald angels sing. There are five. How many? Five phrases I want to give you from this, from this song. Just five phrases with an explanation. Number one, God and sinners reconcile. It is because of the death of Christ on the cross that there is reconciliation. The Bible tells us there is, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Second phrase, Christ is born in is there evidence? Amen. Is there evidence? Micah chapter 5 verse 2 prophesied years before. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says that he will be born in Bethlehem. And you go there now, there's a lot of evidence. Number three, Christ the everlasting Lord. Before the world began, Christ existed. After he returns, he will continue to reign as Lord and God. His rule is from everlasting to Everlasting. Number four, Jesus, our Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. God with us. Is that true? Could God truly come and be one of us? Philippians says that he did. Tacitus says that he did. Josephus says that he did. Many other eyewitnesses confirmed that this was no ordinary baby. Luke the doctor must have spoken at length with Mary. Mary, you need to give me some understanding. How did you get pregnant as a virgin? Lord God, our Emmanuel. And number five, born that man no more may die. But pastor, death is happening all around us. I thought Jesus died thousands of years ago. What do you mean he was born so that the, we may not die? Is it true? Yes, it is. Hebrews 9, 27 says, It is accounted for men to die once, and then the judgment. Now, what judgment, Pastor, are you referring to? Well, I, I will explain. You see, all of us, unless we are translated like Enoch and Elijah, all of us are scheduled, his timing, Amen. All of us are scheduled to die. But after death, there's going to be something called a resurrection. And at that resurrection, we will stand before the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And at that time, he will decide whether our eternity will be with him or our eternity will be without him. And so, born that man no more may die is for the second one. Yes. Because if we are going to be with him, we shall live forever. We shall live forever. And then finally, the last song, Is It True? Hymn number 125. And this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Pastor, joy to the world. I know we sing it. But joy to the world? Last night, Mr. Dunham, a colleague of mine, shared with us and the students at a program called 747. He shared with us that uh, 
in Yemen, there are approximately over 14 million people that are on the verge of starvation. 14 million. I do not suggest you look at the pictures. Joy to the world? A pastor, there are suicide bombers. Joy to the world? How can that be, Pastor? The Christians in China being assaulted by the government. Joy to the world? A pastor, there's still genocide happening in Africa. Joy to the world? A pastor, there are people getting up in, in hotel rooms and shooting, shooting a crowd of people in, in Las Vegas. Joy to the world? Pastor, there's corruption in the church. <laughs> there's corruption in Illinois. There's corruption in Washington, D.C. Joy to the world. Not to mention the fires in California. Joy to the world. Not to mention the floods, the tsunamis, the, the, the disaster. Not to mention the broken homes. Joy to the world. Come on, pastor. Do you really believe this? Is this true that there can be joy in this world? And I say, well, let's, let's, let's ask Luke. Because I don't know if I have a, an appropriate answer to that. So Luke, what, what do you say? And so Luke tells us that Zacharias, right at the beginning, Zacharias was, was in the temple, and, and the angel came and said, Hey, Zacharias, praise God, man. You're going to have a kid. I know you've been praying for years, but God has made things right. Your wife, Elizabeth, will have a baby. Angel Gabriel left him and went to Mary. Hey, Mary. Don't worry about a thing. I know you're not married. I know you're a virgin. I know you're young. But you're going to have the Savior of the world. But it didn't stop there. We find joy when Mary went to Elizabeth's house. And who had joy at that moment as soon as she arrived there? The baby. The baby. If you do not understand the history of the, the Jewish nation at this time, they were under the oppression of the Romans. And they were looking for their Messiah. They were looking for their promised son. Adam and Eve were hoping that Cain would be the Messiah. God had given them the prophecy, the seed that will be born, yes, he will save the world and make things right. I know I had to kick you out of the garden because of your sin, but that seed... That seed is going to make things right. Thank you, Lord. You've provided for us. And so Eve was waiting to be the mother. Sarah was hoping to be the mother. Rebecca was hoping to be the mother. You know, Manoah's wife, you know, Samson's mother. No. Samuel, Hannah, is she going to? No. Folks, I want to end with this. I had a a guest come into one of my classrooms. And this guest uh, is, a, is a new Christian. Uh, this guest has, has asked for asylum here in America. See, this guest of mine actually was, was in Egypt, and they grew up as, as a Muslim. And uh, as they went through, they got married and they had children. Uh, this guest got their degree and became a professor, a very, very, very good professor. And so they, uh, they were asked to come to Saudi Arabia 
to, to teach at one of the top-notch schools there in Saudi Arabia. And so they went. And, and as they were there, they had the um, teaching psychology. They have their PhD in psychology. As they were there, um, there was a, a request for some people to come and, and view something. And this individual said, why? Why is everybody going to that? Like, oh, no, you have to come. You have to come. It's, it's so interesting to see. And, and, and this guest said, but why? Why do we have to? And then they, they took her to the computer and they showed her a video of what has happened in the past. It so happened that uh, uh, she was able to see arms and limbs being severed by, by these radicals. And so she decided, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. That began a two-year process of studying for herself. As a PhD professor at one of the top-notch schools, she's decided to study for herself. I want to look at, at Eastern religion. I want to look at my religion. I want to look at Christianity. I want to look at all the religions. What is truth? I'm an educated person. I need to know, is this true? And so she got into it. She dug into it. After years of study, she discovered it's Christianity. It's Christianity. This man, Jesus, is unlike any other king, any other Lord, any other God. This man, Jesus, is the real thing. And so I'm here to tell you this. Uh, she has a joy now, unspeakable joy. But here's the thing. She has no home and she has no country. I repeat, she has no home and she has no country. What do I mean? You can't find her. After she left Saudi Arabia, there's no record of her. She's no longer a, te a, a teacher. She's no longer a PhD person. She's no longer a person in their eyes. As a matter of fact, she told me this. If her brother were to see her on the street... According to their law, what could he do? Honor kill her. And he will be justified. Joy to the world? Yes, friends, because the joy that we get from society, the joy that we get from the things that are around us, the joy that we even get from people is not as satisfying as the joy that God will give us when he comes. And Jesus says in Luke again, do not be afraid of the one that can kill just the body, but be afraid, be concerned with the one that can kill both the body and the spirit. That's only one, that's God. Your Savior, Jesus Christ, is about to come soon. We need to be sharing the gospel, the good news, that he came, that he was risen, and that he's coming again. This world needs to know that we have a hope. This world needs to know that we have a joy. Uh, but, but I end with this. Uh, because Christ came the first time, he's going to come the second time. In Luke, turn with me to the last chapter of Luke. Luke chapter 24, beginning verse 50. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, verse 51, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into where? Heaven, verse 52 and 53. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. 
and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Did you know that Luke wrote two books? What's the second one? Let's go there. Acts chapter 1. I hope you find this interesting. Who does Luke give this book to? Theophilus. We see him again. We see him again. And then in this verse, what is it that we are told that Jesus says? Verse 7 and 8. And he said to them, hmm, I wonder who the them is. Same people from Luke chapter 24, yeah? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Verse 8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be my, ah, unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Folks, let's be Christ's witnesses in Downers Grove. I know the church is about ready to have some rough seas. I'm telling you, our church is about ready to have some rough seas. And church, this church in particular, the search for a pastor is very important. It's very important as we move into these last days. And so I pray that you pray. But let's end it here. Verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Verse 10, And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. And the last verse, verse 11, Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner. So angels announced that he's coming. Angels announced that he's here. Angels announced that he's going to go. Angels announced that he's going to come back. And I believe that we have three angels behind our backs telling us the three angels' message. Folks, I look forward to the Lord's return. What about you? And I know that at that time, the blind will be able to see. The lame will be able to walk. The dumb will be able to speak. And sinners will be forgiven forever. Joy to Jesus. May he come.